Most of us in healthcare are warm, caring people who are committed to keeping our patients safe and doing no harm. But there are some among us who do the unthinkable and betray our noble profession. On this podcast, we like to shine a light on the good and the bad. Each week, I'll be joined by another healthcare professional, and together we'll dive into these stories while chatting about nursing and healthcare along the way. I'm Tina, a registered nurse, and this is Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back to another week of true crime and nursing, healthcare. We talk about a little bit of everything. We usually typically do a sort of like a true crime story at the beginning and the end. We do a good nurse story. This week, we're going to have a little bit of a special good nurse story. So I wanted to kind of let you know that up front as I would like for you to stick around. I know you guys. I watch the analytics. I see what you do. You listen to the true crime story and you bail. For this week, please stick around. There is a nurse who is missing right now. And I want we're going to talk about her in that story. And I just want you to stick around and listen to this because we want to try to bring awareness to this situation that's going on. It's very current. And in fact, we're recording this and we're going to release it the very next day. So it's going to be a pretty close to real time. I want to introduce you to my guest host. He's really not necessarily, he's more like part of the family. He's just here in and out all the time. Kevin with Art of Emergency Nursing Podcast. Hey, Kevin. Tina, how are you? I'm super glad to be back here with you. It's been a while. Good to have you. Always good to have you on. It was a good talk back and forth on these interesting cases. And just really excited to get to kind of dive into this. But before we do, I do want to remind everyone that our Nurse Creator Con event is coming up in September. It's September the 24th. It's going to be at Rich's Art Gallery in Austin, Texas. It's going to be a fun event that's just full of educational opportunities for anybody interested in kind of doing sort of like maybe a side hustle or gaining followers on their social media, getting into legal nurse consulting. And by the way, thank you so much to legalnurse.com for helping to sponsor this event. We appreciate you so much. They're sending a representative down there to help you understand what all is involved in getting started with legal nurse consulting. What a fascinating specialty that is. Aesthetic nursing. We have an aesthetic nurse, Dr. Kiana Jones, who's going to be coming. She is amazing and so many more. So just wanted to remind you guys about that event, go to nursecreatorcon.com and be sure and get your tickets right away while the early bird prices are still in effect. Are you thinking about going back to school to get a master's degree, maybe a family nurse practitioner degree? Well, it's so important to choose the right program. Samuel Merritt University's MSN FNP program has a 100% employment rate after six months. Unbelievable. And Samuel Merritt University has been kind enough to continue to sponsor our podcast, and they want us to let you know they're continuing to offer a $10,000 scholarship to anyone enrolled in their MSN, DNP, or family nurse practitioner programs. If you're interested in getting more information about these programs, you can visit them at smumsn.com. That's smumsn.com. And of course, we'll put that link on our website if you want to just go to goodnursebadnurse.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. 
So this bad nurse story, it's actually a bad doctor. Again, this is a very, very difficult story to talk about. I think it's important to talk about these stories. As I say all the time, we'd like to shine a light in the darkness. There are bad things that happen in this world, and we don't want to just bury our heads in the sand and pretend like they don't happen. That doesn't really help the situation. But I do want to give you a little trigger warning. This episode does contain sensitive material pertaining to gun violence and self-harm, so it might not be suitable for all listeners. So just listener discretion is definitely advised for this episode. So this is the story of Robert Edward Fadal II. He's a, a doctor out of Seguin, Texas. Dr. Fadal graduated from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio and operated a family practice for 28 years. On February 25th in 2018, Anthony and Tiffany Strait. So this is another couple. It's a couple that's kind of friend of the family, longtime friend of the family, but not related. They agreed to lend a hand with some chores for Dr. Fadal's elderly mother. The way this worked is he had this large compound, I guess, a large piece of property his home was on. And then his mother had a home on that property as well. And so this couple, the Straits, had made plans to celebrate Anthony's mother's birthday and so they're actually on their way to this birthday party when Dr. Fadal's mother is, had asked them for some help. So they said, well, we'll stop by there on the way. And so they stopped by to just help move in some furniture. I think she was cleaning out the garage or something like that. They had their three children with them. They were all boys, seven, nine, and 10. They were still in the car when this horrible, horrible tragedy happened. So there are couple of conflicting reports of what actually happened, but it all ended up with the same res- result. So some people think that Dr. Fadal was on the balcony, and some people say that he came out of his mother's house. But in any event, he shot Anthony Strait, and then Tiffany Strait screamed when she saw that, and he shot her as well in front of the children who were in the car. And, and yeah, the boys were in the car? That's crazy. Holy cow. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was a shocking event. The couple did die. Anthony was pronounced dead at the scene, and Tiffany, he was 27, Tiffany was 30. She was rushed to the, a hospital that was nearby, and she succumbed to her injuries. Dr. Fadal was taken into custody the same day. Was there any kind of report that he was angry with them, or that they were there was an issue, or...? So they could not find any evidence there was anything like that. Apparently, Anthony's brother, James Strait, told investigators that they had known the Fadal family, including the doctor, for years, and that it was not uncommon at all for them to do odd jobs and favors for the family. It was just very inexplicable. They, he, it, there was no one knew, no one could explain why he would have done something like this. There was no indications that there was a feud, disturbance, anything precipitating or justifying this shooting is what the lieutenant who was in charge of the investigation told local media. Wow. Holy cow. Just out of nowhere, just killed two people. And I didn't see anything about any kind of acts of him, you know, any reports of him being unusual behavior, any questionable behavior. Like this is just an all of a sudden this one time event. Yes. They're friends of the family. You know, the brother said they're not people that are violent or angry toward them, especially, they've done things for them over the years. You know, there's just no reason for it. Investigators would soon uncover the reason behind the double homicide. But first, they had to comply with a few unusual requests from the doctor. So 
During the interview with investigators, he insisted that devices capable of connecting to the internet or radio systems be removed from the vicinity before he would speak with authorities. He believed that his life was in jeopardy. I know. Yeah, it's kind of insightful if you think about it. Like, mm, that gives you a little clue into maybe what was going on. Although there are some people that wonder about that as well. But he told investigators that he thought his life was in jeopardy. And he attested that a mysterious group was communicating threats to him via his computer, his car, and his cell phone. So there's actually an affidavit. The doctor was adamant that a wall-mounted digital clock be removed from the interrogation room while he was present. The unexpected explanations persisted during the interrogation process. Fidal informed investigators that he shot the couple because he was afraid that the Straits were Russian mobsters sent there to kill his mother in retaliation for his, quote, infiltration into the Jewish community. Wow. It sounds like this guy was kind of crazy when he got there, but I, you got to wonder, was there any kind of signs of weird behavior before? I didn't see anything in the report that I read in the reporting I read of him having any kind of erratic behavior prior, you know, before all this. That's what's so strange about it, that no one around him seemed to think that there was anything like that concerning. I mean, friends of the family, other relatives, no one expected anything like this. It's not like this happened and then people are going, yeah, we yeah, kind of thought something, like that, that happens. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he, he's that told, happens. And you know, it's one of those where you, you there's people that you're like, if you told somebody, hey, this terrible thing happened, they'd be like, oh yeah, totally seen. Yeah. Yes. He's nuts. We've ex- um, yeah, we've been expecting this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of time. And then, and there's other people who you're like, where in the world did that come from? Because they never, never would have guessed any kind of behavior that, that would escalate to that. Yeah, it's almost like this was going on in his mind, but somehow he's able to hold it together and not, but you know, not express that outwardly. You know, he didn't maybe say anything to anyone. He was just sort of holding all of this in and dealing with it internally. He did confess that he he had conducted numerous investigations into the Jewish community's involvement and manipulation of the stock market and American wealth. Okay, that sounds a little. Yeah, that's what he's, that's, that was yeah. his words. And he suspected those he spoke of hacked his computer and began sending him threats. So, yeah, so I think that he's saying, you know, he was investigating these things on his computer. He's looking into these things that he's suspicious about. And then the people that he was investigating realized he's investigating them. And they hacked his computer, started sending him threats. And so this is all, you know, go, what's going on in his mind according to him i would love to know if they ever found if they ever found the evidence of all that and they may not have looked Mm -hmm. um any evidence Mm -hmm. on his computer of him being hacked or him being you know targeted in any way like i really wonder if that was really a thing or if he was just Mm -hmm. not well yeah i wonder that as well i mean i you yeah i would wonder did they go ahead and look into this because the investigators believe that he was under the influence of methamphetamines or perhaps was abusing prescription medication. So wh- you know, why did they do a drug test? Why would they say that they were suspicious about that unless they had some That's proof? One, one thing I wonder, and you know, certainly you know, a county sheriff's going to be deliberate with what they say, and they're not going to say anything mm-hmm. that they didn't have 
you know, they can 100% back up. So it makes you wonder, you know, maybe they found evidence of meth use, of, you know, prescription drug use. But, you know, that's usually not the first behavior you find usually isn't that they've killed somebody. Usually it's a lot more, you know, smaller things before it's just something so extreme. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if he is struggling, you know, with substance use disorder and he's multiple substances like this, you would think there would be some evidence of that. Yeah. Some evidence of that or or like, so there would have been like previous clues like, hey, you Mm -hmm. know, he started acting erratic at work. He wasn't acting well. He was, you know argumentative and talking a lot and crazy and mm-hmm. not doing you know, the right thing. Not and, showing up to, to work. Yeah. All these things that, you know, that happen to people who maybe start taking prescription pain medication and then it just escalates to the point that it gets out of control and then their behavior starts to change. They're late for work where they used to be on time all the time. They make mistakes. They, you know, just start acting erratically. And if you've ever seen anybody who is hooked on drugs, and I've seen more than my fair share of this in the emergency department. If you ever see anyone who's hooked on drugs, you'll see this gradual decline. I remember seeing a nurse who was, you know, came in and I was like, going, hmm, I think she might be using. And then the next time I see her, I was like, oh, yes, indeed. Usually there would be signs, but this, you know, it doesn't usually escalate to murder. Mm, yeah. Well, and I do know that, I mean, if he was struggling, you know, with substance use disorder and prescription medications, that's one thing. But if he if that crossover into methamphetamines, that can definitely cause hallucinations and all 100%. of the, that p- paranoid behavior, all of that stuff that goes along with those that, substances. And that I could see, you know, one, one of the things I first thought when I seen this was like, you know, was this guy under the influence or something? So. Yeah. And there were people... So there are people who say that they don't believe any of this. They think that the whole thing of him, you know, asking for electronic devices to be removed from the interrogation, saying the investigation into the Russian mob, all of that stuff, was him just trying to get out of being in trouble for what he did. Like, they're basically saying that he was sort of faking all of that in order to get away with murder. Build the case for insanity. Mm-hmm. But that, that still doesn't explain why you would do that. Like if, I mean, it'd be one thing if this was like, you know, an ex-wife that, you know, he had a vendetta against for some reason. That sounds terrible. But I mean, like there was no no indication that there was any kind of bad blood between these folks. No, right. I And that's, I agree with you 100%. I mean, he, if he... Did if he had some sort of vendetta against these people, like if they got into some, you know, huge argument over something and he just, you know, picked up a gun and shot them and then he starts act, acting as though, oh, I'm paranoid and, you know, having these delusions and hallucinations. OK, I could get that. I totally could get that. But and there is no explanation there is no explanation for why he would have killed these two random people in broad daylight. There, there just isn't. And so it, I, I don't know if there's no explanation as to why he did it, then I, I can't imagine why he would need to pretend like, yeah, he is in, insane. It seems more like it's possible maybe he really was, you know, struggling. It might have been of his own doing. Maybe he did struggle, like I said, with substance use disorder. And that's... It's that's not an excuse for that behavior. No, that's not, no, no. you know, it's not. But it at least would explain 
you know, yeah, what happened. Yeah. It's certainly not an excuse, but it explains kind of what happened. Like uh, mm-hmm. drugs had to be, had to be a part of this. If, unless, you know, he had, th- there had to be other clues, other family, you know, the family members you would think would see something. Yes. And I do think that there, there are definitely mental health issues that can come along that just pop up out of nowhere because of different triggers. It doesn't necessarily have to be drugs. It could be something else, you yeah. know, dementia, it, it, lot, lots of things. But it would seem to be, it to me, it would be odd if there was no indication of that whatsoever. And it literally just was like flipping a switch. Like it, it, it's one thing where you see like your kind of gradual escalation. Like that would be, yeah. all right, okay, I can see that happening. But this one, holy cow, just boom. This from the jump, this is the first incident. Mm-hmm. Seems really, really strange. I know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. There are so many amazing nurse creators out there right now. How would you like to come to a really cool city, Austin, Texas, and not only get to meet some of these most fascinating nurses, but get to learn from them how they became successful? We're meeting up in Austin, Texas on September 24th at an absolutely adorable art gallery where we're going to get to hear them teach masterclasses on everything from Facebook to TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and even me. I'll tell you all about podcasting, how to get sponsors, all of that stuff. Not only are we going to have masterclasses, we're also going to have a fun evening of entertainment and food, taco bar, dinner and non-alcoholic beverages are included in the ticket. And then we're also going to have a cash bar. So hurry and get registered because tickets are on sale right now with an early bird price and in-person tickets are limited. So I can't wait to see you all there. Go to nursecreatorcon.com to register. That's nursecreatorcon.com to register. Or we also will put the link on our website at goodnursebadnurse.com. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD Stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream I put on every day after work. I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well-rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet. And I have plantar fasciitis. So now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Be sure and put the forward slash good nurse, bad nurse in there so they know that we sent you there. cbdstat.care. Be sure and put .care instead of .com forward slash good nurse, bad nurse. Well, his medical license was suspended by the Texas Medical Board after the shootings. Of course, as you would expect, he was charged with multiple counts of capital murder. This is the state of Texas. We know they like to flip the switch pretty quickly down there. So not at all unexpected, I think, you know, if you do something in Texas and you better be ready to pay the price for it. They are fine with the death penalty. That's for sure. 
Yeah. His bond was set to $5 million. I'm surprised there was bond set at all. I mean, really? Uh, I know $5 million is probably, you know, getting somebody to put their... Sometimes it's like, oh, we're going to go ahead and set it. Just, you know, give you a little bit of hope. But it's $5 million. Mm -hmm. If you know somebody rich, eh, maybe. Yeah. Well, in July of 2020... Of course, this, we said this happened in 2018. In July of 2020, the doctor was found unresponsive in his cell with a handmade ligature around his neck. And he was discovered during a cell check by staff. They did perform life-saving measures, officials said, and he was pronounced dead at a local hospital. So as of the last report in 2020, the Texas Rangers are investigating his death, but that's kind of the last bit of information that that there is out there on this case, unfortunately. Wow, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that you know we may never know. We may never know exactly what happened. And I mean, there's got to be some kind of mental health issues there that even two years later, you're, you know, two years later, you attempt to well, you kill yourself. There had to be something there. I don't know yes, what. I know. I, I, you can't help but think, you know, that there. are had to have been something going on there. It's so sad for this couple and these three little boys. Oh, the three boys. Holy yeah. cow. Mm-hmm. Like, how much therapy are they going to need? Right. Witnessing that whole thing, having to grow up without parents, and it's just it's heartbreaking, you know, to think of all of that that they're going to endure in their lifetime because of this one event. Yeah. This is not something that you just get over, you know, and it's something they'll have to learn to live with, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the hard part's got to be never knowing why. Like what really was the what really was the cause, and you know, was the cause just that he was on drugs or something? And that very well may be, but man, what a heartbreaking case! Yeah, it's just so senseless. You know, it just makes no sense. If it's your loved one, you know, your brother, your sister, your daughter, son, it, your parents. I would think that it would the hardest part of it would be just to wrap your mind around such a senseless act and how yeah. un you know unnecessary and always thinking like what if they hadn't stopped by to help her you know just kind of go running through that over and over and over in your mind and I think everybody does that to some degree you know you have the mm-hmm. those what if moments those what if this and what if that and if I would have done this and not that I think everybody has those but when there's such a violent death like this I can't imagine how damage those boys are likely. So. Well, hopefully they will have the resources that they need. Unfortunately, mental health resources are scarce in our country. I, it breaks my heart to think about all of the people who go through things just like this every day in this country. And they have, there really are very few resources. And depending on what state you live in, I don't know how it is in Texas. I know in Tennessee, very little. It's not much different. I mean, I think behavioral health is, it's underfunded, it's under, you know, they need a lot of help because we have a lot of patients that need a lot of help. So I just got an email from a company who conducted a study. Actually, Trusted Health, of course, they sponsor our podcast and they they do a survey every year around the state of nursing mental health. So, and it's a little different. Of course, this happened before the pandemic, but now mental health issues are compounded for nursing and for all healthcare, you know, staff, just because of all of that's happened with the pandemic and the 
um, the healthcare system is absolutely crippled because of it. So this this data that they did, it's really scary if you look at the numbers. I think everybody's in this boat. Like I think so many people throughout the pandemic reached out to me and they were like, man, I'm I'm not feeling this is, you know, from anywhere from new grads to very experienced nurses, you know, I had new grads mm-hmm. being like, oh my gosh, is this what the rest of my career is going to be like? And I'm like, gosh, I hope not to, to very experienced nurses who are like, you know, we've seen more bad stuff in the last, you know, year than we have in, in, you know, the 10 years, 15 years of my career. And a lot of people said that exact thing, had that exact comment that they're like, holy cow, I can't remember when it's been this bad. It has been bad. Well, this survey that they did, they surveyed 2,500 nurses and they were looking into the relationship between nurses, their employers, and the healthcare industry at large regarding their mental health, patient impacts, interest in a career, what they value in terms of their job, you know, all of those types of things. And the takeaways are really, really scary. If you really look at it, they paint a picture of an industry that is really struggling. Mm -hmm. And so basically... Depression and burnout are at all-time highs, as well as compassion fatigue for patients are extremely high. Suicidal thoughts, two times the average adult population and likelihood of leaving the profession up nearly 40% from last year's survey. Last year, it was at 46%. I feel like that's high. The likelihood of leaving your profession, you know, 46% of these of nurses surveyed. Oh, my gosh. That's up to 64% now. Holy cow. 64% of 2,500 nurses so that they were likely to leave their profession. And the suicidal thoughts are two times the average adult population. I mean, let that sink in for a minute. Man, I got to tell you, and I know nurses who've been in, in rough situations, there was a, there's been many. And what I'll tell you is, if you're feeling that, if you're feeling that darkness, if you're feeling that heaviness, talk to your peers. Talk to mm-hmm. your peers, talk to someone. They have that new three-digit suicide helpline. Is it a 988? Now, have you seen that? This is the new suicidal hotline. But talk to somebody before you do a very permanent solution to what could be a temporary problem. And I can't stress that enough is reach out to your peers because your peers, you know, they're going through the same stuff and they may not show it the way you do. They may not feel it the way you do, but they would be happy to help you in any way they can. Absolutely. And yes, you're right, Kevin. It is 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. So if you do need assistance with that, it's there for you. So also in the survey, it showed that 95% of the nurses polled felt that either the healthcare industry has not made mental health a priority or that it is a priority, but measures in place to support their mental health and well-being are inadequate. So that kind of tells you a lot about where, you know, what nurses feel like they're dealing with. And I do see some things being attempted. I'm still a bedside nurse. I work, I'm still working in in a hospital full time. And I see efforts being made. But what I see to me, personally, just is just my own opinion, what I see are band-aids being put on this larger problem. Like the larger problem are staffing ratios. The larger problem is a is disrespect. It's being put in unsafe situations. It's being handed more high acuity patients, the patients that are really, really sick to take care of that you cannot possibly safely care for. And therefore you feel all of the stress, the moral distress from it. You 
leave the, your job at the end of the day feeling like you didn't do a good job. You feel like I wasn't a good nurse today. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault because you were given circumstances that were absolutely impossible. But nurses are very empathetic people. We will beat ourselves up. We will sacrifice ourselves. So you for absolutely. So you spend 12 hours not going to the bathroom, not taking a lunch break. I am not condoning that, by the way, but I'm just saying that's what we do. It's just a reality. And then you still feel like even with that sacrifice, you look back and think, did I do this? Did I do that? I'm oh, I don't know if I charted that right. I don't know if I did that, you know, did I assess that patient's groin site the last time, you know, that I was supposed to. That sort of thing will wear on you after, you know, after a time. And I feel like that's what, that is the real big problem that needs to be addressed. It's having the resources that we need to care safely for our patients. It's having enough staff, having adequate staff, and if you just give people, you know, a room to go in and meditate for 15 minutes on their lunch break and think that's somehow going to fix everything, it doesn't. Giving them a hotline, I'm sorry, but I know that you need a hotline. They're, that's something that can possibly help people, but it's a Band-Aid. It's Band-Aid, These for are, sure. Yeah, you have to fix the systemic problem in order to help really, truly help healthcare professionals. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, if you think about if you think about how healthcare workers are feeling right now, think about the general public who's not as smart and educated as we are. They're a mess too. So mental health is going to be something that, you know, we're going to have a lot to do. We're going to have to have a lot. There's going to be a lot to do. There's going to be a lot of work to be done for the behavioral health population, but also for the nursing population, because a lot of people are really burned out. They're really burned out. I feel like nursing before the pandemic was at a breaking point. It was already buckling under the weight of staffing issues, of just a a lack of respect, you know, for our profession, for the people doing it. And so we were already kind of there. And then a pandemic hits. And I mean, it is so ugly right now. So and I know we kind of got off on a tangent of talking about mental health issues, but that sort of stems from what we were talking about um, anyway, because we need more resources in this country to help with mental health problems. But the helpline is out there. The helpline is out there. If anyone needs help, please you know, call that 988 number. If you're feeling down, talk to your peers and just let them know what you're feeling. You'd be surprised. Sometimes they're like, oh, me too. I feel the same way. But you know, we're all hurting a little bit right now. I think everybody is. Yeah, I agree. I don't know about you, but I have to have coffee every morning before I go to work. And lately, I found myself needing more and more coffee just to get that awake and alert feeling. Well, I got this email from a company called Magic Mind, and they sent me this little elixir that I drink every morning, in addition to my coffee, because I ain't giving that up. And it has this ingredient in it called L-theanine that helps the caffeine in my coffee to last longer and to be more effective for me. So I kind of look at it as the opposite of taking melatonin on the nights before I have to work that sort of helps shut my mind down. So this has ingredients to help wake my mind up and just help me you know, be able to focus more and be more alert at work. So of course, this is in no way giving any medical advice or guaranteeing that it's going to work for you in the same way it works for me. But I, I mean, I found it to be beneficial and hey, you might too. Just go to www magicmind.co forward slash nurse and enter the promo code nurse20. That's www.magicmind.co forward slash nurse and then use the promo code nurse20. And of course, we'll put that link on our website. If you want to, you can go to goodnursebadnurse.com. 
So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it and she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes the stethoscope so amazing. Um, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. Well, I guess that brings us to the good nurse portion. I told you guys that I was going to do this a little differently this week because the nurse that I'm going to be talking about, I just, I really want to bring awareness to this issue because there are not a lot of, of news media outlets that are talking about this right now. And this is a horrible, horrible, tragic case that I want to bring. I want everyone to be aware this is going on and be talking about it and get it out there. This nurse's name is Shauna Brown. She is based in Columbia, South Carolina. She's an ICU nurse and she's in nurse practitioner school. And she's doing her clinicals in Birmingham, Alabama. And she was supposed to be traveling to Birmingham for her clinicals there. And apparently left early in the morning to head there to Samford University and has not been seen since. She did not, apparently did not make it, did not arrive to her destination. So this happened on July the 10th. She has not been seen since July the 10th. And her family is very upset and worried about her. And they want information, as much information out there as possible uh, so that if any if anyone knows anything, you know, go on to, you know, go to the internet and all you have to do is search on Shauna Brown, nurse missing, and it'll come up because there are a couple of local news stories done, but there isn't any, the national news media has not picked this up for some reason. And we need to get information out about this. Absolutely. It's a, it's an important, it's an important case in that like where what happened to this woman? There's no history, no reason to think that she would just disappear like this. No, her mother said absolutely not. She loved being a nurse. She was excited about being a nurse practitioner of school. She would never just up and leave like that. That is completely out of character for her. She's 39 years old. She was wearing royal blue nursing scrubs the last time she was seen and driving a black 2013 Toyota Corolla with the South Carolina license plate TXR359. So that's, again, black 2013 Toyota Corolla with the South Carolina license plate TXR359. And if you know of her whereabouts or anything about this case, you're encouraged to call either 911 or probably better to call the Crime Stoppers 
at 1-888-274-6372. Since this kind of goes out to all over the country, probably better just to call that Crime Stoppers number. And if you happen to see anything, I mean, I really hope that they find her safe and that there's a obvious explanation. I hope that the next time I have to record an episode of the podcast, I have to say, oh, there was an update for that. And no, we don't have to worry about it anymore. It's really what I'm, hope- I'm hoping for. But I definitely wanted to bring awareness to this story. It's a great case to bring awareness too, because uh, holy cow, I, you know, you don't think of someone, you don't think of like a nurse who's in school and stable, like suddenly disappearing like this. Yeah, I don't even want to uh, speculate on what could possibly be going on. Just it's it's horrifying to think of. I'm just or, you know really scared for her and her. I feel terrible for her family. I can't imagine one of my family members just all of a sudden missing, and you don't have any explanation for where they are. And if it were my family member, I, I would want to see it all over the news. I would want everybody talking about it. Absolutely. To, you know, just in case there's somebody out there that that knows somebody out there has maybe seen her. So. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and hosting another episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Tina, as always, this is my pleasure. Love hanging out with you. Love hanging out with your audience. Boy, it's just such a cool thing you're doing, getting the word out about this missing nurse. And I really admire you. I think you're I think you're pretty awesome. So thanks for having thank me on you. the podcast. Let everybody know where they can find you and your podcast. You can find me on on Instagram or Facebook, Art of Emergency Nursing. And my podcast is The Art of Emergency Nursing, where we talk about kind of the more of the soft side of emergency nursing stories and kind of talk about people and sometimes occasional topics. And then I also have a podcast called How Not to Kill Your Patient. And that one is all about triage. It's all about triage and assessments. And that one's a little bit more clinical. If that's your thing, then check out How Not to Kill Your Patient. Wonderful. And you guys know you can find us at goodnursebadnurse.com. You can email me at Tina at goodnursebadnurse. And of course, go to nursecreatorcon.com and you can learn more about the event that's going to be happening there and get your tickets. It's also, I should have said this, but there is a virtual option for the CreatorCon and people have asked me that. And I realized that in, in the promotions that we've put, on, put out, I don't know that we've said that, but there is an option for, to watch this virtually. So if you can't make it down to Austin, Texas, this really cool city, you can at least be able to participate and watch via the computer. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode. And I also want to remind you that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse.